0: This you just don't get, huh? Lord, let me know if you got us. Preaching about prophets. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to the goddess. Goddess. Got
1: it. Goddess. 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 Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Power Half Hour, your podcast to encourage, energize, educate, and empower you on your path through womanhood. I'm your host and women's empowerment specialist, Kelly Hickey, director of Strong Woman Co., a company devoted to empowering women to be their strongest, happiest, and healthiest selves. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram for daily inspiration, uh, and join us for a free Facebook tribe uh, as well. I'll put the the links in the show notes. Okay, so uh, this is going to be, this is a kind of a special pod. It's going to be released uh, in between or right before another episode. But um, I I wanted to do a mini episode uh, to say hi and to comment on a few things that deserve our attention and care. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, uh, first of all, thank you and shout out to you. Uh, You make us keep going and keep podcasting. But if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you know that uh, this one is about a week and a half late. And uh, I just wanted to speak to you a little bit about uh, what's been going on uh, with me, the world, and, uh, uh, and why this podcast is late. But before I do that, let's gather our whole selves up and uh, just take a nice, healing, nurturing breath. So we'll breathe in through our nose nice and lightly. Close your eyes if you can. Fill up your beautiful lungs with air. And let it out. (sighs) Do another one of those, okay. Let's breathe it in nice and lightly through the nose. Fill up all the bronchioles in your chest. Hold it for a moment. And let it out with a sigh. <sighs> all right. Who else is tired? Who else is exhausted? Who else is furious? Who else is frustrated? Raise your hand. <laughs> I can imagine everyone raising their hands. Okay. So... Uh, Thanks for being here, number one. Um, And I'm doing this pod now for uh, late for a few reasons. Um, Number one, I was completely tapped out. I had a totally empty cup. Um, And uh, in the last uh, couple weeks, I've been watching and amplifying the experiences of the protesters um, uh, in the States and, and elsewhere, but of course, mostly in the United States, and that's been horrifying and draining and important. Uh, sometimes all we can do is bear witness to what's happening and speak out from where you are, uh, just where my location is. I'm uh, doing everything I can to fight racism in, in my locale, but uh, to see violence and um uh, just, just, just violence on peaceful protesters. It was, it, it, it was a lot. If you were a, uh, thinking, feeling person, um, it was infuriating and, uh, extremely frustrating and also paralyzing if you can't do a whole lot. So one of the things that I felt I could do was bear witness, um, uh, to everything that was going on and, uh, to just kind of like, you know, retweet post, 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 uh, the reality, um, Or the realities that many people face on a daily basis, but that we've been able to magnify uh, in the last couple of weeks and kind of, you know, have our whole vision of the world shaken um, so that it's more true and more accurate. And uh, with that, I've also been uh, arguing with racist racist family members and friends and having to cut them off, uh, which is extremely uh, uh, hard and important. Um, and anyone who's out there in that position, um, I'm, I'm sending my love to you. I know of a lot of folks who have been in, uh, ha- had to make those hard decisions of just cutting people out. And, um, it, it seems like, you know, uh, if, 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 you're, if you want to hold on to your racist ideology, there's not, there's nothing anyone can say to you. Um, and so that seems to be where, where a lot of people are. So there's a lot of boundaries going up and, um, you know, whenever that is, that that's, it's draining. And it's difficult. Um, and then on top of, uh, that draininess, uh, just explaining my cup, um, as, uh, as we were arguing with family members and friends, uh, so-called friends, no longer friends, as we try to sell the house and pack up our entire lives and move to, uh, another continent during the worldwide pandemic. Uh, uh, this is, we're, we're moving to the Netherlands. My husband got a job there. I can do strong women co from anywhere. Um, he was already moved over to the Netherlands and came home during the pandemic, uh, so we're just we're just trying to get our 2020 plans back in track. Uh, sometimes it seems a little foolish <laughs> to be trying to plan anything uh, in this year. However, I am a planner. I'm an action taker, um, and and this is this is our plan, and we're moving forward. But that being said, all of that caused uh, it just ate up all my bandwidth. And I sat down to do a podcast, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, um, and uh, I just, I just didn't have it in me uh, to, to, to fully talk to you about the heavy topics uh, that was going on uh, because emotionally I was not there. And I have been in a situation before where I was tacked out, empty cup, and I make myself go ahead and do the hard. Uh, challenging work anyway, and not listening to myself. And that's how I put myself in hospital before. So uh, my, some of my main goals as this new wise uh, woman uh, is to, uh, when my body is freaking out and exhausted, uh, to see to her. Uh, so there was that. Then there's also the, the reality that um, just to speak frankly, you know, this is what I do. I just speak frankly. Um, and I will say, um, I'm not going to say everything perfectly all the time, but I do want to have a conversation. If there's anything I ever say at this podcast or, you know, any of my videos or anything like that, that you have issue with like a genuine Kelly, maybe you should have used that word or have you thought about this context, please, um, uh, contact me. I'm always wanting to grow and learn and be better. But, uh, as a white girl from Newfoundland, Canada, Uh, despite having marched in Black Lives Matter protests before they were even called Black Lives Matter protests, I I wanted to listen um, 10 days ago. Uh, I wanted wanted to listen to the experiences. I wanted to hear the pain. I wanted to be fully present. Um, I didn't want to interject my voice into things um, just then. We hear from people who look like me a lot, and I wanted to make space for people uh, that we didn't hear from so often. So those were the reasons why um, this podcast is late. Um, and instead of just going to the usual Saturday, uh, which is what I could have done, I had planned a couple for a couple of months to make this Saturday's podcast for June 18th, an episode about being a feminist dad for Father's Day, uh, where I interviewed my husband and baby daddy, Justin. And uh, I was really looking forward to that, Um, it was something I wanted to do, but I just couldn't move on to that topic and show without first acknowledging and commenting on the Black Lives Matter protests happening uh, all over the U.S. and the world. We have hit a boiling point, we have hit a point of transformation uh, and change and shift and awakening. Um, And I think I can help us kind of zoom out a little bit and put it in uh, the context of our whole general um, evolution. And and hopefully I can do that for you uh, in this episode today. Um, Because that's what we are. We are all evolving. Um, This is a very special time. We are transforming individually and collectively. Uh, we're, We're focusing on things like justice and healthy boundaries. We're redefining ourselves um, you know, relationships are ending, lies are ending, the truth are bubbling up, I mentioned, you know, uh, relationships with family members, and, um, and friends ending, um, I even had, uh, this is a little, a little little bit, um, indicative, I think, of our time, I even had a, uh, friend, an RCMP officer on friend me, um, and do it in a very trying to hurt kind of way, saying she was going to bad enough me to anyone she'd ever recommended me to uh, because she did not like how I called her out on some of her um, what seemed to me were uh, at the very least racially insensitive comments um, and uh, yeah so I put up a boundary and she didn't like that so this is the the relationships ending you know. Um, That's, that's a lot of people are happy that I've, I've seen RCMP is, is, uh, our federal cops, our federal police in, uh, Canada it's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Um, and I've heard from a lot of friends, uh, who have had similar situations with RCMP officers and social media. A lot of officers have been reported. So, you know, it is a worldwide thing. Of course, we've seen, um, we've seen protests where hundreds of thousands of people in Paris, in Amsterdam, in London, uh, you know, just essentially everywhere in the world, uh, all over Asia, you know, there's it's this fascinating worldwide event that's occurred. So it's not just one country. It's not just one uh, group of people. This is, this is a systemic issue that we are, are willing, uh, ready, uh, and hungry to kind of focus on and, 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 and to finally like, okay, we can pay attention to this for a second because the injustices have been just so blatant and in our face. Um, let's freaking deal with it, right? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's maybe our current system of policing and how we've had this top down approach doesn't actually keep us safe if, with the neoliberal cuts to our social services, to addiction services, to mental health services, to uh, issues, uh, services to help people get out of poverty and stay um, uh, in, in, in homes that are safe with full bellies, when we cut those, uh, systems, which has been over the last decades, almost every country. Um, we've, we've gone to that, pull yourself off by your own bootstraps kind of, um, ideology. And that is not keeping us safe. That is, uh, the opposite of keeping us safe. It is criminalizing poverty. It is criminalizing mental health issues It is criminalizing addictions. And if you are a listener to our podcast, uh, I guess about six months ago, we did a topic where, um, actually, just locally close to my house, uh, a man uh, was murdered. Uh, This is—I live in Newfoundland, and which is predominantly uh, a white uh, population on the island. We are—we're in North North Atlantic. You know, it's not uh, not a surprise. We are getting more and more diverse, thank the goddess, every day. I even have—we have a wonderful. A refugee family just uh, next to us that uh, my daughter plays with. But we're getting more diverse, but we're still very predominantly white. And the murder wasn't a, a racial thing. Um, it was a white man who uh, was murdered. But even back then, I was talking about how um, you know we, we call the cops to to check on this house, uh, which is like a bed sitting room. Um, but these aren't cop issues. These are not police matters. These are public health issues, right? So um, uh, so there's a lot going on here where we've cut, 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 cut uh, so much of our social goods, so much of our social fabric, and now we're facing um, the reality of, of what happens when you have this neoliberalist uh, idea of like, no, everybody should look out for themselves and we don't want people to get lazy. Oh my God. Don't, okay. I <laughs> won't we'll go down that... Uh... That rabbit hole, because that will drive me insane. Uh, and we won't get very, very, as far as I want to. Okay, so back to the topic. Um, so this issue of racial justice and police brutality is an issue that's held my attention and anger and frustration for a long time. I may not be personally affected by racialized violence of police enforcement, uh, meaning as a, as a white woman. I know statistically and anecdotally, Uh, Cops just don't kill people who look like me uh, as much as they kill people or hurt and and are violent towards people of color. Uh, We have to start being able to talk about these statistically proven realities. Um, This is just something, you know, without being afraid of saying the wrong thing. But the, the violence and the murder of people of color and the conservative rhetoric that tries to pretend that this isn't happening or tries to wash away or tries to blame the individual who's been hurt or killed. That is the stuff that boils, boils my blood. And as a social justice warrior, as a Libra, as an Artemis archetype, (laughs) uh, I am here to fight against the egregious injustices here. And this issue of police brutality is something that needs to be fought, it needs to uh, be understood, um, and it, it needs to be remedied and healed. Justin, my husband, and I um, uh, would talk about this issue all the time over the last uh, 10 years or so. And uh, every, every time another death happened, we would get so full of anger and frustration at the injustice, at the, the blatant uh, state-sanctioned murders because you know if a cop kills a citizen and there's no ramifications for that the state is saying that that murder is okay and that is some mind-blowing crap that like could really eat away your soul that's saying that some people aren't human some people don't have rights and those those some people is a very specific group of people of color often black often men not always as, as i'll mention in a bit but uh, it felt really frustrating to hear and see because we have seen how I can't even tell you how many um, black people uh, I have seen killed from just my Twitter feed by accident. I don't ever want to see these things, but there's this whole reality uh, that we are um, uh, have been subjected to seeing. Uh, black people killed uh, in the news and uh, you know it's very hard and, and very frustrating and you know we wouldn't watch a dog being killed. we wouldn't watch a white person being killed. Uh, it's, it's just like it's one of those things of these layers of dehumanization that racism and white supremacy has caused and reinforced and forced and maintains. So you know there's there, a lot of a lot of hurt to see these things. Uh, but the, all the violence and the death, seeing that and not being able to do anything about it, um, it was very frustrating for, for me and, and, uh, and my husband, when we talked about it and, um, we would talk about it to whoever would listen. It, it was really important to us. Um, I feel like, you know, as a feminist woman, we really need men to own the subject of equality and and own the subject of, um, uh, eradicating male supremacy and sexism. And, and if I was want that, I certainly absolutely need to step up on where my privilege is, which is, uh, uh, be having white privilege. And, uh, my husband was the same. Uh, so we wanted to walk the walk. So we were, we would talk and post, uh, uh, until people were really annoyed with us, um, Justin had his workmates uh, at the time uh, a few years ago just drove nuts because he wouldn't stop talking about it. And there was uh, a a specific case of the Eric Gardner case where we watched a man uh, be murdered by police officers. Um, And uh, that was one thing that we did see some change, some traction, right, of people being like, oh, my goodness, no, I just seen him uh, be killed. But for the most part, uh, there was a real frustration that no one was listening. Nobody wanted to hear it, that there's a frustration that these deaths don't matter. And that's what you're being told. If there's no consequences and no repercussions uh, for such violence uh, to the greater society, yeah, it doesn't matter. And that's, of course, where the words black lives matter. So it's it's making them matter um, where that, that slogan came from. <clears throat> and I got a teeny tiny slice, teeny tiny slight notion of the taste of what uh, people of color who are fighting this injustice get, which is just no one listens and no one cares. And that is so, ho- that can hollow out your soul, but you, you, know, you use it uh, just to kind of keep going and to keep talking and you just remember that justice is important and you remember that we all, justice doesn't happen just when we sit in our hands, justice is a active sport, uh, just like democracy And uh, it was soul-sucking, and it was like we were screaming into uh, a void. And uh, I just kept thinking, how much can people of color take? I knew it was a powder keg. Uh, You can't keep people down like that um, anymore. I was working in the States. uh, uh, We were both working down in the States in uh, 2011. And I could have kept working down there, and I could feel the tension. Uh, and it felt like it was a bit of a on the verge of a verge of civil war, and that was that was almost ten years ago. So I certainly could feel the tensions. Uh, so so can of course many people, and there was of course many people and uh, right wing conservatives who have been fanning the flames and hoping for a uh, racial uh, war, a cultural war in, in the states. And we did see that in some of the protests of some of the organized white supremacists who were looters um, to try to make the protests look illegitimate. But uh, just to go back for just a minute. Uh, In 2014, Justin and I were in New York City uh, when they released the fact that the police officers who killed Eric Gardner, the gentleman I just mentioned, uh, and this was on video, uh, and as he said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, over and over again. Just like George Floyd, uh, this, this murder was very similar. Uh, we found out, we're in New York, we found out, like the, the everyone did, that the officers who murdered uh, Eric Gardner would not be indicted. Means no consequences, no charges. They got off scot-free. Again. And our anger roared, um, and we knew there would be a protest uh, and that uh, we needed to be part of it. So we protested uh, before it was even called Black Lives Matter, because it was the only sensible and humane thing to do. Sometimes, when you witness an injustice so egregious, the only thing you can do is take it to take to the streets and walk with fellow citizens who are also furious and chant. And I remember one of the chants specifically, and it seemed a little, a little over the top to this white girl at the time, but I just tr- trusted the experiences of the, uh, my fellow marchers. And one of the chants was, how do you spell racist N Y P D? And it, it was like, Whoa, Oh my goodness. That that's a lot. And, um, I'll leave, I'll leave the rest of the story for our next podcast since Justin will be on and we can talk about our experience together. But all I will say is that walking in the crowd, uh, for that Uh, March, you know, we we shut down Times Square, we did a die-in in in the Lincoln Tunnel. It was literally one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, Multicultural, all ages, the safest I ever felt in New York. Uh, And besides that, um, we actually did see direct racism from the NYPD at those protests. Uh, we were there, we were chanting, we were loud. My husband was particularly loud and black women, uh, and men around us, literally around us, uh, were arrested and we never were arrested. <laughs> and we were all doing the exact same thing, but they only arrested the black people. Uh, it was shocking uh, to see white privilege right before my eyes. Um, But, uh, but you know, this is, this is the thing is, is we all need to wake up to the realities of each other so we can lift each other up. And that's why this time uh, for seeing the truth and dropping, uh, the pretense, um, uh, seeing the reality so we can let go of the systems that are, that we're clinging to that don't work anymore. These are systems of inherent racism and inequality. Those systems need to be replaced and likely dismantled and replaced. There's shift, there's a shatter happening, there's a change. It reminds me, and watching the protesters, this reminds me of the goddess Kali, the Hindu goddess Kali who's burn it all down, Kali. She burns it, burns everything down to start anew. She's very similar to the goddess Pele in that South Pacific of the volcano. There's destruction, but from destruction comes something new and better. And we can feel that energy of transformation taking place. Um, There's a crisis making us pay attention. And it wasn't just Eric Gardner, of course, and it wasn't uh, just George Floyd. Uh, very, very recently, there was Richard Brooks, uh, who was just sleeping in his car and shot um, uh, in a, a, when cops did the opposite of de-escalating a situation. But within an hours, um, the, uh, murder, the, it was regarded as a murder. The police officer was fired. The chief stepped down. So we can see the things that had no response are having response, and they're having a response really quick. Uh, I just want to mention a couple of things uh, that really kind of had stock. Of course, there's the Ahmad Arbery and Brianna Taylor. Ahmad Arbery was a man jogging who was just murdered in the street uh, by two white men, one a former police officer. Brianna Taylor was sleeping in her bed. She was an uh, EMT um, uh, and was shot eight times when the cops got the address wrong um, and just demonstrating, you know, this no-knock warrant uh, insanity uh, that uh, is is disproportionately affects uh, communities of color and the one that really hit me was I seen that uh, Tamir Rice uh, would have been uh, in the class of 2020 uh, Tamir Rice was 12 years old when he had a toy gun when a police officer shot him so you know I was thinking for a long time how much can black people take and I was I knew this would happen. Um, I kind of hoped it would. I hoped that we would shake ourselves from this lie of of racial equality, uh, so that we could actually look at the inequalities and make things better. Uh, and I feel like this is exactly what's going on here. So things are transforming. Uh, they're transforming because enough people had enough. Uh, you know, there's a lot that can be said of just. People being angry and frustrated and scared from the pandemic. So we got that for sure. Uh, of course, uh, people of color being disproportionately negatively affected by COVID-19 as well. And just, you know, uh, but not not getting the same treatment in hospitals. The community is not getting the same resources. Uh, and then, of course, uh, people like not having any hope for the future because their jobs are gone. They don't know how they're going to feed their kids. That, that is, that is a, uh, a giant flame. Of anger and fear, of course. And then you put that with uh, a lot of people in astrology would kind of uh, say, of course, this all kind come, of comes together. Um, and, you know, the, the we had a full moon eclipse on June 5th on Friday. That was our last full moon, a lunar eclipse. And it was all about, that, that full moon was, themes were justice, truth, and taking a stand and waking up. It was in Sagittarius. And now we have another eclipse on Saturday. Uh, it's a solar eclipse and new moon. This is about rebuilding, um, but it's it's rebuilding in in a place that we've kind of like it's almost like t- it's pulling up a weed, um, and then um, and saying enough, right? There's a lot of endings. There's a lot of of closure, uh, but we are getting ready. We're going to get our heads around the rebuilding that needs to occur. And many astrologers have said that this eclipse happening, it's also happening on the summer solstice, I should say. So it's exactly when this uh, pod, uh, no, when the second pod is dropping, the Father's Day one. But uh, this may be the most important event in our lifetime. Now, I feel like astrologers have said that a few times since I've been paying attention to this. So, so I'll i will um, I'll wait to see. But, you know, when, when people are serious about that, it is it is an interesting point uh, to make and to pay attention to, uh, because we are rebuilding in a more inclusive, more stable foundation, um, that just the laws that are coming out, the, the, uh, dismantling of a corrupt police, uh, forces, the, uh, taking money away from the militarization of cops and putting it into addiction services. I mean, like a sensible, logical person, this is the only thing that makes sense, um, but it takes a lot of political power and a lot of political will to get us there, but we are moving there. There's a, there's amazing talk, uh, going on. I posted something in the strong women co, um, uh, Facebook today that people are kind of really loving. And it says, yeah, uh, just, this is like a random tweet, right? It says in two months, my whole feed went from let's learn to bake bread to let's dismantle white supremacy. What the F was in that bread, yeah. <laughs> right? And I think that we can kind of uh, we can kind of see that um, there's discussions like Black Lives Matter or the 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 slogan the hashtag is everywhere. It's in it's in it's in arenas. It's on city halls. It's on churches. Um, so there is this waking up. And no, we this not everything is solved. But I feel like this is this is the wound that that we we, we pretended a band aid was on. But now we're actually kind of like squeezing out the pus um, uh, it, it, so that it can actually heal. Now it's up to us uh, what, what are the next steps are, but this is a great opportunity for transformation and healing and for working for a real world for equality. Um Let's see here now. looking at my notes. Yeah, we're building on a more sealed foundation. Uh, a lot of the people I, I, I listen to, uh, like eclectic group of people, a lot of news, some spiritual people, some astrologers. I just like to keep my fingers in a lot of pies. And a lot of people are talking about how we're moving out of the age of Pisces. Um, with the Pisces, it was very me versus you. It was very black and white dichotomy. Um and uh, it's literally the eon where, the, where our, our, our earth is in, um, in the age. And so as we move out of the age of Pisces, which is essentially like right now, uh, to the Aquarian age, um, An Aquarian age is more about unity. It's more about we thinking. Just think of the, the 70s song, the age of Aquarius. This is, this is very exciting. Uh, but like all birth, it's, it's challenging and painful. And it may split us open first. Uh, it's 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 birth. Birth is hard. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if it if it wasn't hard, like I, I just think always about Judith Butler, one of my favorite feminist therapists, who say for who says for you for true t- change to occur, you have to become undone. So I think a lot of us have become undone and thank the goddess, and it's about time, and we have evolved, and we will keep evolving, and we are asked to look at the structures we're built and how the ideas and beliefs perpetuate racism, and uh, we're getting better. We are healing. We are growing. We are evolving. We are not pretending that this is perfect anymore, and we are loving where we're going. I can see so much promise and opportunity and healing just on our horizon. Yes, we are moving in a good direction, Uh, so let's keep that momentum going. Let's keep sharing the posts. Let's keep raising our voices uh, so that we can build this beautiful world, no matter Uh, what color, gender, shape you are, we all need to be fighting for a world where you can be your true self without the fear of of violence, without the fear of discrimination, without the fear that you're not going to be taken seriously in the hospital if you go in. I just, side note, Venus Williams. (laughs) I haven't talked about this yet, but this is exactly the kind of reality we're looking at. So Venus Williams, one of the most powerful, fierce... Uh, I just powerhouse is just the word I can just think of. Woman warriors of the world, who uh, was kind of the shown why there's a statistic that more black women die in childbirth than um, in, in, in than white women, and uh, I think the number is it's gone up like 13 times what it was 20 years ago. Uh, it's indicative of racism because Venus Williams went in and told the nurses and doctors she was in pain and she was not believed. She said she was in extreme pain and she was not believed. Um, and uh, that resulted in some pretty traumatic uh, surgeries and um, uh, very difficult few days with her with her baby afterwards. So that's just an example of of um, systems that are not believing uh, with black people when they when they speak, of course, in, in Canada we have uh, very similar situations for our Indigenous folks, and the RCMP have also um, killed, I believe, was, I've seen the number was eight uh, Indigenous folks uh, in Canada in the last couple of months. So uh, there's 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 a lot going on. So there's a lot to be mad about. Uh, And there's a lot to be hopeful about, but instead of doing my usual featured song for this podcast, I wanted to just throw it to the voice of a black woman, the powerful, brilliant, uh, passionate, eloquent black woman named Kimberly Jones. Uh, She is an activist. She's an author. And in this uh, clip, you may have seen, but you might not have seen, uh, heard the whole thing. So I'm going to play the six minutes of it, and it's definitely worth the end. Just listening to the end, um, I just, I just love, <laughs> I love what she says. I love how she explains it. Um, I love her passion. She, it's really cool. I'll put a link to this, uh, her book. But she's an author that wrote this book called I'm Not Dying With You Tonight. Um, and it's, it's uh, written by another woman. Uh, it's Jillie Sigal and Kimberly Jones wrote it. And it's an uh, NAACP uh, award nominee. It's about two teen girls, one black, one white, who have to confront their own assumptions about racial equality as they rely on each other to get through the violent race riot that has set their city on fire with civil unrest. So you can't even, like, like whoa. So this woman, uh, and, and with another author, wrote this. This was released August 6th, 2019. Obviously, just kind of in the periphery of the minds of these authors, Uh, And this is Kimberly Jones. I'm going to throw it to her in just a moment, Um, you know, because it's important to listen to those words. And I think a lot of people, particularly if you're not a person of color uh, or if you are, you know, more affluent, it's easy to brush this aside. It's easy to say, when are they going to be done with these protests, you know, um, but you need to listen. You need to listen really carefully to the words of Kimberly Jones who asks the hard questions, you know, uh, who uh, really puts it in context. She mentions Treva Noah's video about um, social contracts. I certainly found that helpful uh, as well. So I want to throw it to her. I really would love for you to listen to all of it in the end, I think, uh, is, is the strongest bit, but you need the kind of what she's saying in the first couple minutes to get a fuller understanding of the frustration she's dealing with, of the arguments that she has to deal with on a, on a daily basis, just trying to get justice so that people who look like her uh, can live in this world without fear that they're going to be hurt. Or murdered, or or otherwise, uh, by our law enforcement, or by just random uh, vigilantes in the street, like was the case of um, uh, Ahmed Aubrey, or also in the case of Trey Von Martin. Um, so I'm going to leave it to you. Take it away, Kimberly Jones, sister. I've already bought your book, and I can't wait uh, to dig into it. I encourage you guys to do the same. It's a um, It's one thing that we can do, a lot of people are doing, I am just buying books from black authors uh, for uh, the next several weeks, uh, if not months, (laughs) but I kind of do that a lot anyway just to get a diverse thing, but I encourage you to do the same. Peace out sisters, uh, brothers and others, mad love to you, let's make this world better and let's listen to our sister Kimberly break it down for us. And if all goes as planned, you'll have another podcast on Saturday, uh, about father's day and being a feminist father, but take away Kimberly, you have the floor.
0: So I've, I've been seeing a lot of things talking of the people making commentary. Um, interestingly enough, the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary about we should not be, um, rioting we should not be looting we should not be tearing up our own communities and then there's been an argument of the other side of we should be hitting them in the pocket we should be focusing on the blackout days where we don't spend money um but you know i feel like we should do both and i feel like i support both and i'll tell you why i support both i support both because there when you have A civil unrest like this there are three type of people in the streets there are the protesters there are the rioters and there are the looters the protesters are there because they actually care about what is happening in the community they want to raise their voices and they are there strictly to protest you have the rioters who are angry who are anarchists who really just want to shit up and that's what they're going to do regardless. And then you have the looters and the looters almost exclusively are just there to do that to loot. Now, people are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why. And that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just want to get stuff okay well then let's go with that let's say that's what it is let's ask ourselves why in this country in 2020 the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt a flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it that they are so hopeless that getting that necklace getting that tv getting that change getting that bed getting that phone whatever. Whatever it is that they're going to get is that in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting, that's their only opportunity to get it. We need to be questioning that why. Why are people that poor? Why are people that broke? Why are people that, that... food insecure, that clothing insecure, that they feel like they're only shot, that they are shooting their shot by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about well, there's plenty of people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at Push where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country we came to do the agricultural work in the south and the textile work in the north do you understand that that's what we came to do we came to do the agricultural work in the south and the textile work in the north now if i right now If I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money, I didn't allow you to have anything on the board, I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa, that was Rosewood. Those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them, and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play. And every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your Monopoly money. And then finally at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, Okay, now you catch up. Now at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, Oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made and then for 50 years every time that I played I if you didn't like what I did you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood how can you win? How can you win? You can't win. The game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is. Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have. That if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the f*** do I give a shit about burning the f- football hall of fame, about burning a f- target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a f- You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us when we built it in Rosewood, and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so your target. your Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground. And it still wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge.